Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you reflect and think about your remodeling business. We're in pretty complex times, and I think how you look at things and think about things are just as important as how you do things. This podcast series is supported by Professional Remodeler Magazine, as well as NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, and is produced by my friends at Surefire Local. What I'd like to do is take different topics, topics that are themes, topics that are, you know, relevant issues that are out. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that I've been thinking a lot about, and that is we are really only about halfway through this process. And my topic or theme is this is halftime on the war of COVID-19. Now, many of you out there, I think, have learned to adapt and just and certainly even seen some of your businesses thrive during this period of time. However, we're only halfway through this. We're only a third of the way through this. And I think the more that you think about it in that respect, I think the more successful you're going to be of potentially coming out of this shoot at the other end. So I was actually on the call with a head of Google's home improvement division of their group. And one of the comments that they had said, based on many of the different studies that they've been looking at, was that lessons learned today are after the test. And I really have been thinking about that because there's been so many things that we've learned in halftime, so many things we've learned in the first half of this that I've tried to articulate what I think are maybe some of those key things. And I'm going to list them for you and really give you a chance to think about them yourself and certainly encourage you to discuss them with your leadership team. You know, I talked about early on, you know, kind of what we're experiencing. It was kind of like driving in a fog. And when you drive in a fog, what you have to do when you're on the road is you got to back off the accelerator a little bit. Otherwise, you might go off the cliff. I think the reality is when you're driving through a fog, oftentimes you can look in the rearview mirror and kind of see what's behind you. So I think we've learned a lot in this. Some of these lessons learned, quite frankly, may not even be relevant five, 10 years from now, but at least it really gives us, I think, the clarity that it's not necessarily what you think, but you've got to move forward. You've got to act on things in the right manner, but then you've got to say to yourself, okay, what did I learn from this process? So the first thing is that this is very much of a marathon, not a sprint. And I started talking about this subject back on the 13th of March when I was actually working with a group in Michigan. And we were talking about you know, with the pandemic and certainly COVID coming out, you know, what did it look like in terms of uh, visualizing how long this was last? And I actually created a kind of an image for everyone that it was kind of like a bridge. We were building a bridge over this river here that was flowing underneath that was this pandemic or COVID. How long was that bridge? And for the most part, different groups I was talking to within their team said it was about three to four months. Well, the reality is that we're wrong. Now we're five, six, seven months into it. We know it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not a short bridge. So now we're changing the conversation. And in a marathon, a marathon, the way you prepare for a marathon, the way you pace yourself for a marathon is very different than if it's a short sprint or certainly a bridge over top. 
The second one is that I think it's really, really important to celebrate the short-term victories that you're having, but don't necessarily see them as long-term trends. In earlier podcasts, I talked about all the false positives that are out there, things that we would have thought, things that I would have thought, but the reality is that things are coming out different than what we're thinking. Therefore, I think it's really important that you celebrate those wins. If the phone is ringing, terrific. If you sold some stuff, that's great. If you produce some successful projects, terrific. Celebrate those short-term victories, but don't just assume that those are trends that everything is going to quote-unquote get back to normal. Number three on my list was uh, the better results that you're seeing out there don't necessarily mean that you are better. It could be the environment. Now, we're in a unique situation in home remodeling and home improvement that remodeling is hot. And I did a podcast on this literally three or four months ago. I encourage you to go back. And it was 10 reasons why remodeling is hot. It's all the things that you know about, but you need to make lists. It's not just one thing. It's literally 10 different reasons that remodeling is hot, including obviously how consumers are camp, uh, uh, camped up in their house, how uh, they're not making any money on, their, on the interest rates out there. Uh, use of their home, all these kind of things are changing, which in fact is making remodeling a very hot kind of place to be. But what's important in my theme here is that doesn't mean just because the phone is ringing is your marketing is better. Just because you're closing deals doesn't mean your sales process is better. Just because clients are allowing you to come in your house doesn't mean your production practices are better. What makes you better is that you are better. So you've got to focus on being better, not just assume that those results are an indication that you're better. Number four kind of relates a little bit more generally to not only your team, but to your clients, to your alliances and others. And that is, I think more than ever, it's hugely important that we're all very, very empathetic today. And in empathy, you're looking at it kind of through the lenses of the other stakeholders. The reality is that your team is processing what's going on very differently from each other. So I just encourage you, don't try to judge them on how they're processing things just because they're not as comfortable as you, just because they're willing to take different kind of risks than you. That doesn't mean they're right and wrong. We just don't know. So you've got to have a high degree of empathy. It's got to be an integral part of how you're communicating is empathy and really get everybody to kind of appreciate that. Number five dies directly back into the home itself. You know, the paradigm of what the home is for homeowners today is really changing pretty dramatically. You know, the home is very much of a sanctuary. It's that safe haven for many people. You know, needless to say, if you look at the type of projects that are especially popular, you know, it's those projects that really involve, I think, that level of health and safety and certainly good places to be, including certainly bathrooms and outdoor living and those kind of things. It's also a school. Who would have expected that we would have had our school shut down and all of a sudden the home created an environment for school? But it's also, we talk a lot about working at home, but even taking that a step further, I heard this little adage uh, a few weeks ago, and they said that 
we're not just working at home, we're living at work. And I think that's changing dramatically how homeowners are thinking. But the bottom line is the home is more important than ever. And if you're in home improvement or home remodeling, I think you're in a great place. And that that makes it uh, really positive. Number six is that truly, 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 this is a time that we need to overly communicate. This is a time that we're in a team sport mentality. It's not just up to individuals. Because we're processing things differently, looking at things differently, leveraging the technologies differently in terms of uh, how we're doing things, you've got to think team sport. The more you think team sport and team win and not necessarily individual, I think the more successful that you're going to be. Number seven on my list is embrace the uncertainty that it's out there. You know, you don't really know. I don't really know what's around the bend here. So you've got to embrace the uncertainty. You've got to be light of foot. You've got to be ready to react. You've got to ask yourself, what if... What's the backup plan if this doesn't work? You know, I think that this notion of uncertainty out there is very great. I was actually leading a group of window covering folks just literally last week. And one of the people asked me, he said, you know, Mark, I called you back in May and your prediction was that 20 to 30% of the home improvement of the remodeling companies, the professional remodeling companies would be out of business by the end of this year based on what was happening with the pandemic. And, I, and he, I said to him, he's right. I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, based on all the folks that I interact with and certainly advise and touch, it's 0%. Every single one of them are making it through. But my point is that I was wrong. You're wrong. We don't know. We couldn't predict. So the more that you can embrace the uncertainty rather than be fearful of it, certainly the better. Number eight on my list was actually some insights from Google that I think are really, really important. And that is how the homeowner is making their decisions today is really different. It wasn't that long ago. Certainly, they were putting a lot of value on what the price was. Today, however, number one, according to Google, is your reputation. And your reputation has to do with how well you're communicating with the client, It's the memories that you're creating. It's your involvement with the community. It's also how safe and healthy you are in terms of your building practices. The more that you can focus on your brand and your reputation, the more likely you're not only going to win in this environment, but you're going to come out of the chute on the other end even better. Number nine on my list was you're going to have to start to think more shorter term. A friend of mine Uh, talked to me about a book, and I ended up reading the book, but I love the title, and that is The 12-Week Year. I think the more that we look at Q4 as a year and not just as a quarter, the more I think successful you're going to be. If you look at each calendar year moving forward, at least in the next year, as four years, and four years has a plan. You have a plan just like in the football game. You have a plan for that quarter. Of course, you want to win the overall game, but you need to think shorter term. You need to have a 12-week year plan. A 12-week year plan has two weeks of beginning and getting going and getting everybody aligned and communicating. Eight weeks of grinding and doing it and two weeks at the end to kick it. And then you've got to take a break and a breather kind of in between the 12-week years. 
Number 10 on my list, and certainly not least, in this is a product of what I'm seeing out there in many different companies, remodeling, home improvement companies, also manufacture technology companies, is leadership is key. Leadership teams are key. The great companies that are going to come out of this is going to be a product of their leadership and their leadership teams more than it is about the product and necessarily the key metrics. You know, one of my friends said that one thing that leaders can say today that they never were able to say in the past and be respected was, I don't know. Leaders don't know. So it's really critical to be honest, to be brutally honest. And if you don't know, at least have the empathy and caring to say, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the answer to this, but I do know we're going to, we're, we're going to get through it. Number two is be more transparent. I think the more transparent you are, the, the more it helps people understand at least a little bit more of your thought process and why you're doing what you're doing. And then last and certainly not least is you've got to be setting the right example. You know, it's so important today that you uh, not only kind of this notion of assuming the worst and hoping for the best, to replace hope for a minute and start saying, we're going to assume the worst, but work hard for the best. It's that hard work that's going to get you through. I think this marathon. It's going to get you through this war. It's going to get you to the other end of this. I think it help you to be more successful. So I want everybody to stay tuned here for our thought leader discussion coming up. And again, I can't emphasize enough, you know, this is a halftime in the war of COVID-19. We're not close to the end and there's a lot of game left here that you've got to grind through. Take care, everyone. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. Today, we have a very, very special guest. As you know, this is the segment. We bring on a thought leader in the industry, and it's usually either someone that is kind of focused on, you know, where kind of things are going or someone that's actually in the trenches practicing. In this case, Michael Anchel is really both of those. Uh, he spends a lot of time thinking about things, but also he is the uh, CEO of a design-build firm, uh, OA, in uh, the Minneapolis area. So, uh, Michael, uh, you know, we're going to be talking today about, I think, you know, how do you take kind of, um, you know, what's happening out there and, and make it kind of relevant and integral to your remodeling business and certainly client experience. But before we get into that, why don't you just take a moment and uh, share a little bit more the the Michael story and 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 kind of the the type of firm that you have? Sure. Well, thanks, Mark. Um, and the Michael story is a that's a three hour podcast. So, <laughs> well, uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you three minutes. <laughs> uh, the abridged would be. Um, I, you know, I, I left the States uh, in the early 90s, lived in China for a few years in Japan, um, had planned to become a genetic, uh, go into genetic, genetic modification, uh, and uh, came back to the U.S. and ended up getting into uh, remodeling through historic preservation and fell in love with it. Uh, the, that grew into what is now a full-fledged architecture design 
and build firm. We do about two and a half million dollars. Uh, and we have a strong emphasis in the green building world. Uh, we help develop the green building standard uh, for the state of Minnesota, which is the five state area green building program. And um, we like to we like to stir the pot and push the envelope when we can. Well, one of the elements I, I, I've always certainly in terms of our friendship and relationship appreciated is that you've kind of taken things that have been, you know, relevant issues out there, relevant either for the consumer or for the environment or certainly some of the, you know, crazy uh, uh, pandemic we're going through. And you've really kind of said, okay, I want to address it. And one maybe we can talk about first is the whole notion of, you know, transparency. And I know I was at a a Google event about four or five years ago. And one of the things that they were talking about in terms of kind of the importance of what the consumer wanted, uh, and this was, you know, probably way after you started thinking about this, but they wanted a degree of pricing transparency. They didn't want to have the price of the project be kind of a mystery. Talk to us a little bit about how you approach transparency and, and, and what some of the benefits have been. Sure. I, I think you identified it right there, Mark. It, it's, it's the pain point, right? It's that place where the client is fearful or doesn't like something about our process. And at the same time, in our industry, we are, um, we kind of have this, uh, we take this aggressive, like vehement stance that, well, it has to be this way. And I figure, you know, that's a, that's a place where something is persisting and it doesn't work and the client's unhappy and it's, it's a constant pain point. So let's deconstruct that. And, you know, we decided initially that transparency was beneficial for us in terms of really getting a good grasp of our numbers so that we really knew where our overhead was, where our profit was, so we knew what we could discount and what we couldn't. Um, and from that was, as we became more comfortable with it, we became comfortable sharing with the homeowner. And we, we say, you know, the black box of estimating uh, is the part that people hate most. And if we could open it up and, and put them on our side of the table so that they could see how we were estimating the process and the project, then they would understand why the project costs what it costs. And it's been, it's, it has been one of the most successful things that we've done as a company. Repeat. Yeah, I was going to ask, talk to us a little bit since you've been doing this quite a while, talk to us a little bit about how the client, has reacted to it, not just good and bad, but you know maybe with a little bit more color. <laughs> sure. Um, so in our sales process, it's it's with that they're surprised that we do it, and it's incredibly refreshing this notion. And a number of them have brought it up repeatedly. Then through design, as we are going through and showing them stuff about how just how much they really love the process. So when we get to the question of, are you gonna build with us? There's no question that they, they feel so, there's so much trust that's been built. Just literally last week, we had a project, we had a, a budget. We are past that budget by some decent sum and had to sit, you know, that's that painful conversation with the client. Hey, you know, 
uh, our baseline cost of materials are at 100,000. This project's gonna be around a buck 80 or so. And we walked through it and we looked at all the parts together and our, you know, our profit is called out as one of the lines and it's the only line that the client doesn't question, right? They, they get it. Okay, that's your profit. You gotta make some money. Good, we're, we're good there. Can we work on this HVAC number? Can we work on this drywall number? Could we rebid part of this? And it's not questioning about it, whether it's accurate, it's, is there something else we could do here that would make that less? And it's, it's a collaborative process. And I, I use the word advocate. We become advocates for the client to the industry. Um, it's a much better place to sit. You know, it's interesting. I think back many, many years ago, and a lot of this has to do with doing the right thing and having kind of the confidence and I know any remodeler's gotten pushback and regardless whether the client brings it up or not, one of their fundamental kind of questions is how much profit are you making? How much profit are you making? And, you know, I know we used to kind of just coach and encourage our team, let them know that, you know, we're targeting five to 10% net profit here. And with almost zero exceptions, clients would say, oh my God, is that all? <laughs> that you're trying to make. And, you know, then they almost felt guilty at that point trying to arm wrestle in terms of, you know, some of the pricing components. Yeah. So that that's really exciting. I mean, I think it's a great example and certainly a good segue to Michael into uh, how you have approached other elements, whether they are related to the environment or even related to COVID uh, in terms of this kind of, it's almost thoughtful and responsive kind of remodeling and architecture. Hmm. That's quite the tee up, Mark. Um, so, you know, the, the pandemic has presented a lot of challenges for all of us without, a, without question. And I think we struggled to find our voice at first, but I think we've, we've landed on, and to your point, being responsible and thoughtful, uh, We've done a series of videos. We created some documents for clients. All we developed, you know, big laminated protocol for our job sites, and we decided to take an air on the side of caution and go above and beyond what CDC or Department of Health was asking for. Uh, we pulled on RRP, which we all know how to do already, so it's not new training, um, and we just made you know, simple rules, uh, you know, we don't have like a sometimes a mask and sometimes a no, you know, no mask type. It's, it's mask all the time, whether you're by yourself or there's somebody on the site. And it, it takes so much of the confusion out of the process. Um, and for clients, you know, our clients are, um, a lot of our clients are a little bit older or they're, they take this very seriously. And the notion of having us in their home, um, you know, there was a there was a there was a month or two where we were really worried about how we would be able to do anything in some so, and I think taking that approach has allowed us. You know, we have clients who are actively like, "Yep, yeah, come on, yep, we feel really good. We feel really good about how you guys are approaching things." Um, nice anecdotal side bit: our plumber rewrote on his all of his bids uh, a, a little paragraph at the end that says, um, "COVID." protocols must be observed on site. If I show up to your job site and there's other people there or people without me, blah, 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 I'm leaving, I'm charging you for the trip and I won't do another. I mean, he was very like, you know, but he's like mid sixties. 
And then every time he sends us a bid, he says, hey, OA, disregard that last paragraph. Your sites are awesome. That's great. You know, that's it's the kind great. of relationship that, that goes way beyond the work. Well, and I think that that is, you know, what's so critical in this process that, to your point, is the more you make things optional or the more you make things gray in terms of kind of the judgment of the, you know, of the worker or quite frankly, even of the client. I oftentimes have thought, you know, the client needs to sign a contract that basically agrees that they're going to abide by the same rules because, you know, it's a two-way street in terms of, you know, the potential risks. Very true. In fact, we word our, you know, lead meeting, all of our agreements that, um, it says they are required to wear masks or stay outside of the construction zone, you know, for our workers' safety as much as it so is. So let, let's talk about, I mean, one, one product in particular that, you know, I know you've been experimenting with, and I, I want you to touch on this, not so much because, you know, it, it's kind of the, the, the next greatest thing, but more I think it illustrates you know, remodelers uh, are innovators and remodelers are problem solvers. Remodelers are creative. And, you know, you've created, I think, or developed something that maybe you can share that I think is really, I think might inspire many of the other remodelers that, you know, have those same kind of skills, but don't necessarily act on them. And that is your, your toolbox. Sure. So, um, yeah. Right away, we started doing two things. We started development for a prototype of a backyard offsite office that we could build in case we couldn't work inside, and um, a sterilization toolbox that we could bring to the site so that we could sterilize our tools so that we could keep our workers safe um, and keep the job site. And we went and looked to see what was happening in um, some of our more advanced counterparts out there. Uh, Japan and Korea have uh, a, a strong love of clean cleanliness and clean space, and uh, they use um, a lot of UVC light to sterilize equipment. Now, UVC light's not a new thing, and we use it here in the U.S. In fact, um, hospitals that were that are that are that are um, cleaning their medical equipment will use these UVC light boxes. Um, and we were trying to figure out how to do it for tools and gloves and things like this. So we retrofitted a large DeWalt rolling toolbox with a series of these UVC LED strips and a pressure switch because if the, the light is damaged, it kills all life. And so you don't want it to be on. Uh, if you're looking at it, or your skin is exposed um, and you can't see it, it's not a visible light. So we had to have a way um, to, to, um, turn it on, sterilize the tools, and, and we have a viewport that uses a piece of, of acrylic that the UVC light doesn't pass through. And we have LEDs mixed with, that are visible mixed with the UVC so that it all, you can see that there's light, you can see that there's power, but you aren't affected by the UVC light. Um, and the idea is you go show up to work, you throw your tool, your gloves, whatever in this box, shut the lid, you know, wait two, three minutes, open the lid, you're good to go. Excellent. You know, I think the, the one of the many silver linings is certainly innovations like this, protocols like this. You know, when I've worked with many different remodelers and listened to all the protocol, you know, the level of sterilization and the level of safe and healthy sites 
have clearly moved to a whole different level. But, you know, from a messaging point of view, the last thing that we want is, you know, kind of homeowners to perceive, you know, their remodeler being kind of a germ. I mean, it, the, the site should be more of like an operating room and they should feel safe and not necessarily fearful. And I think certainly what you're doing and others really help that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah, exactly to your point, Mark, it should be perceived that we, that we are cleaning and taking it seriously, even though it's a dusty, messy, you know, it's construction, right? But we can fog a room that doesn't take much skill. You know, we can put in a UVC broadcast bulb in a room and clean the room. I think one of the big obstacles in, in all of this has been so much of a, of a resistance to doing anything differently that we then say, well, if we can't do it the way we did it, then we're not going to do it. Or we just throw our hands up. And it's very possible to do many of the things that we were used to doing, but in a slightly modified way. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think that, that at the core of it, it's okay, if we want to continue to do something and we acknowledge that the, the way we did it is gone, you know, big two home tours with 200 people shoulder to shoulder, it's not happening. So what's right. the new process? And let's get ahead of that ball, come up with a way to still bring people into the houses and show them they still want to touch and feel stuff. Virtual's really going to struggle to replace that. So can we come up with a methodology, a reservation system, a fogging system, a, you know, make it more exclusive. There's all kinds of ways to really shift, amplify, and make better when we have something like this manifest. So let's let's kind of forecast out. I know you don't have a crystal ball and you're not a psychic, but I do, I am anxious to, you know, kind of ask you the question oftentimes I get asked and that is, you know, what is, what does that future look like coming out of this, not going back to normal, but a new normal, what is, what, what does that look like for, you know, a remodeling business, a client experience, just what are those key kind of elements that you think are, you know, significant uh, moving forward that quite frankly might be this go back going back or might be you know dramatically changing going forward the tech shift is going to stick this virtual meetings screen sharing for the design process it's very much going to stick um, it's too efficient not to and the the uh, drive time disappearing is too attractive I think that um, I believe that things are going to get significantly worse in the United States. And I think that the ability for the remodelers who took the first, this first thing that we went through as a cue for how to function with their job sites, with their PPE, with their protocol, with their messaging are going to be in a good spot to continue to operate when we get our, our, our next big hit, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be more challenging. So I think the sterilization box concept, which right now might not be super attractive because there's a lot of folks who don't want to invest, you know, five, six months from now might be super valuable and right. anything that we can. Yeah. So that, so I, I would suggest that it's, it, it is going to get weirder <laughs> And having good job site protocol, maybe this is the thing, Mark, you always get me thinking, 
Um, you know how OSHA has been largely absent from residential remodeling? Yep. Well, so much of what we are uh, kind of being forced to do because of COVID is really all of the stuff we should have been doing in the first place, right? We know that plaster dust and sawdust and all these things aren't healthy for humans. And we put our workers at risk and we do that all the time. And as we've had to take PPE seriously and guys are wearing masks throughout the day, that kind of personal self safety, health and safety stuff is going to become normal for us. And I hope that it sticks. I hope that that becomes something that lasts because it's regardless of COVID, it's super beneficial to our employees and to the industry. So maybe we do get closer to that cleaner job site, cleaner worker, you know, better systems type process. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what I'm seeing is a shift in when you start to study the metrics within the business and you see that, you know, that close rates are going up and you see that uh, that the uh, uh, clients are putting more and more value on the relationship and not just on the price. You see all those reasons. And I think that, you know, one of the positive outcomes of all this that's going on you know, is that, the, you know, quite frankly, the more responsive, the better the uh, people that are, you know, really committed to doing things right, uh, you know, in the right way, I think are going to come out ahead in large part because, you know, it's sort of like, you know, going to a doctor. Do you go to the cardiologist that only occasionally does, you know, a heart operation or one that's kind of really an authority in it? And you don't necessarily kind of see which one has the best price to do it, right? And I think, you know, with the importance of the home and the changes in the importance of the home, you know, I think people are going to value those companies that are, you know, finally trying to differentiate themselves and do the right thing where they didn't really see that in the past. It's true. Mark, if there's time, I thought of one more thing. Sure. So as supply chain's gotten super crazy on us, and, you know, the cost of a two by four is, you know, fourfold what it was. Um, that transparency bit that you brought up early on is going to serve the people who are able to practice that are, it's going to serve them well, because you'll have worked through an estimate on a project. You'll go to order your materials because they didn't pull the trigger until three weeks later. You're going to have a bunch of shift in price. If the economy continues to do what it does with plants shutting down. And you'll have that mechanism to go back to the client who walked through the whole estimate with you and saw all of the original quotes. And they get you have your new quote from your lumber yard with adjusted pricing. And you'll be able to say, hey, in the last two weeks, everything jumped between when we talked and when we signed. And it won't be an argument and it won't be trust mistrust. So I think that there's another way where those companies that embrace that are and are and are willing to get detailed and nuanced with their clients, they're going to they're going to be in a really good position to 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 function with with supply chain irregularity. You know, and as you said before, I think that big shift that you're on the same side of the table, you're their advocate as opposed to across the table and you know arm wrestling. And I think the more that you can have that relationship with the client the more that you know you can see it as is is kind of win-win so i want to thank uh michael anchel for joining me today on remodeling mastery and i encourage you to uh 
certainly reach out. Uh, there, Michael is published oftentimes in the magazines. He's written about transparency with uh, Professional Remodeler Magazine as well as others. And uh, thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. For listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.